Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Don't Blame Me. Welcome or welcome back or fuck off. (laughs) Choose your poison. (laughs) It's a choose your own adventure. Swipe or no swiping. I always think of Dora the Explorer as a choose your own adventure, but it's actually the exact opposite. Like Dora has chosen everything for you. Mm -hmm. I remember as a kid, I would like be or no, the kids I would babysit would watch it. And I used to like say like when Dora's like, where is this? And I would say like the, the wrong thing. And they were like, no. And then Dora would be like, then they would say the right thing. And then Dora would be like, yeah, they're like, see, we're right. And I'm looking at them like, you idiots. You don't even know. This is already made. She's not responding <laughs> to you. I wouldn't but say that's it. That's the genius behind Dora. It is. I like it. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I don't know if your sisters already know about this. But I saw this on a TikTok and I don't know if any of the kids are in the like, I mean, first of all, I love Baby Shark. Baby Shark's a bop, like big fan. I already, I already know what you're going to say. Gracie's Corner. Holy, Mots and I, we're like a Spotify, Gracie's Corner, like bumping up, like right. great. So good. 
Oh, yeah. Melanie, she's the only one that has a kid, though, yeah. that would fall into the right age group with. So Abriel was very into Coco Melon. And I was like, Melanie, free yourself. <laughs> Get onto Gracie's corner. And sh- it took her a few days. And then she finally did. And she was like, these are bops. Like, I'm excited to listen to this. And I said, I, I tried to bring you over to this side a long time ago. Well, three days before. But you wasted your time. Bops. Mm-hmm. Like, just turning out bops. And I think about it, it's like, must have how adults felt. And they got the dancing, too. Oh, yeah. It must have been how adults felt listening to Dragon Tales versus, like, the Proud Family. Like, mm-hmm. one of these things is a musical genius. Mm-hmm. And the other one is a run-of-the-mill children's television. Right. Like, I was just so impressed and I desperately need to get our nephew on it so we can get him off the fucking blippy train. Oh, yeah. Hate blippy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am mad. I mean, first of all, anyone, if you want to read some weird shit, go to the blippy Wikipedia to, like, know the blippy controversy. Blippy had this one random fucking controversial. T- okay, I'll just say it. Blippy allegedly, I don't think it's alleged. I'm pretty sure it's all proven, but it was on Wikipedia, which we know is a very credible source. To be fair, it actually is now. So it used to not off. be, but now it is. <laughs> yeah. But Blippy, like, I think like right when he started his channel or like right before, he like tried a different venue, like to see what would kick off. And it was like just like poop joke slash fetish videos and so like it's all these like really disgusting like not funny videos of like some other really gross stuff and i think blippy's been franchised essentially i think that's like exactly what's actually happened but like you can go to a blippy concert and it's just like some fucker dressed quote unquote as blippy it's not even blippy and if you go on blippy's youtube channel blippy was on like paternity leave or something which great for blippy very pro paternity leave you just brought someone else dressed as blippy like, I was up in arms about, like, redo, like, the new Steve. But at least, mm-hmm. like, we were assimilated into that. We were introduced. It wasn't just one day. Like, it's not like every day there was, like, a new Steve variant just, like, running around on our TV, like, getting the mail. No. Like, they had some respect. But, like, no, Blippi <laughs> is just, like, we're swapping in whoever. I don't like him. As a soap opera fanatic, uh, this just is up my alley because it happens all the time. So... One day it'll be like, in the role of whoever is being played by whoever. But they say that. Yeah, they do. They don't say that on Blippi. And also, like, you go Mm. see Blippi in concert. It's not the Blippi. Like, who are you going to see? You can hire a Blippi for your birthday party. You can't hire Ariel for your birthday party. You can hire, like, a mermaid princess who dresses somewhat like Ariel. But, like, they're not claiming to be Ariel. But everyone's like, yeah, I'm Blippi. And it's like, will the real Blippi please stand up? Blippy is whoever you want Blippy to be. Well, I don't like Blippy in general, and there's just too many of them running around. Well, this is Don't Blame Me. We're an advice podcast, clearly. Clearly, as you can tell, I guess we should introduce ourselves. Hi, my name is Megan, and I am a Leo sun. I am an Aquarius rising, and I'm a Pisces moon. Melissa, would you like me to pull up your birth chart for you again? My name's Melissa Diamondmont, and I am an Aquarius sun. A bad moon and a whatever the other one is, bitch. I'm a bitch rising in That's the what it is. Okay. House. Okay. What house? In the house of Darion. Ooh, wow. Deep cut. Deep cut. Deep, <laughs> deep cut. 
Okay. So yeah, we're going to give wonderful advice, life-changing, amazing advice. And you might be wondering how are these two absolute visions, which by the way, if you want to see how stunning and amazing we are, if we just <laughs> want to support the show, head on over to the Patreon. You can watch the video for a dollar a month, or you can subscribe to our Patreon and pledge $5 a month. We do two live streams a month. How many times can I say month? We have a great time. It's very fun. And you can also see the zit that I have that Melissa tried to flick off of her computer screen because she thought that there was a spot. And I was like, nope, that's on my face. Don't worry about it. Yep. I also have one too. Right in the middle. My That's not in the middle. I take it back. I don't want to falsely give them assumptions about what's going on. I have one that's in my on my head. Oh, like last time when I said we do all of the videos nude. And then I amended it to we do them with no bras on, which is correct. And rarely underwear. Yeah, don't have on any now. I mean, I don't got any underwear on or any bra on. So I head on over to the Patreon and then use your imagination. AAA. So yeah, you might be wondering how we are qualified to give this amazing advice. And it's we're not. And we're going to do it anyway, because who better to give you advice than two people who just have a lot of opinions? The answer is a therapist, but sometimes therapists, they want you to get to that information yourself, or maybe you want to talk to your friends and your friends are going to sugarcoat it for you. We're the people that you call when you're like, maybe my friends are lying to me. I don't feel like anyone's being honest with me. Like I need you to be straight up, or maybe I don't want to tell my friends, or maybe I just need permission from people who are like my peers to uh, do something like this. So that's what we're here for. But again, if if it's like a, I don't know if it's like a real, like a question it's advice, okay? But like, if you need like a fire department, like call a fire department. Anyways, I'm very tired. You said a lot of things there, things that I'm not sure I followed you, but I'm here for the ride. You know what? That's all I can ask for anybody who's in my life. <laughs> I don't need active participants. I need an audience. And that's fine. Anyways, what is new with you? Oh, I did find out that The Bold and the Beautiful has every episode ever made up on their YouTube channel. Ooh, that's dangerous. I haven't seen a soap opera like from day one before. This one is like of the soaps that are on. This is the newest one. Like it was started in 1987, 1987. So so like the other ones started like in the 50s, 60s. So they have access because a lot of the old ones, they don't even have access because the people were using tape and sending them out and then they would just throw them away because they didn't repeat things. <laughs> and so they have access to their old tapes. And so still a good chunk of the people that were on there in the beginning are still on now. And seeing one, the plastic surgery, I, they were unrecognizable. I was like, I know, you've been playing this char- I know you've been playing this character from day one, but you look absolutely nothing like, like this bitch. yeah i was like Shut and then the there's like up. some other per- people that i've seen and i was like i know this person i don't know who the hell this is they're on a different soap but like i didn't mm. again the plastic surgery is just wow yeah it's clockable yeah <laughs> like you can see it i'm like i know the mannerisms i can hear the voice but who the fuck is oh, this but, <laughs> yeah but also just like the pacing of the show and seeing how they got to where they are now. Um, I watched like that soap is it's a half hour. So it's only like 20 minutes mm-hmm. when it, it airs. So I watched like 15 episodes. It was I was like, wow, this is this was really good. Like, it's really. Yeah, good. I'm sorry. We need to circle back. Did uh-huh. you. So do you mean to tell me that there are other soap operas that are have hour long spots? Yeah. 
all the other ones, General Hospital, Days of Our Lives, and Young and the Restless that are on I right now. I want to know how much acid and LSD those writers do to be able to constantly be churning out. Like, they're like fucking Santa's toy workshop mm-hmm. of storylines. And the fact, I didn't even, I assume, I like, I didn't even cross my mind that they would be hour long spots. Like, I was like, of course yeah. they're half hour because, like, how the fuck do they keep? Holy shit. Every day I'm more impressed. Mm-hmm. Every day I'm more. And that even makes it harder because of like you memorize it like a play and for actors yeah. too. That and they're like wow. 80 pages. Like yeah. I asked a friend who is on, I have friends on three soap operas, but I asked one that's Humble on one brag. of the hour, <laughs> that's on one of the hour ones. And they're like, yeah, they're 80, they're 70 mm-hmm. to 80 pages. And so I was like, damn, that's a lot when the episodes only come out to be like 34 minutes because of, <laughs> no, yeah. they're 36 minutes because of all the ad breaks and stuff. But yeah, they memorize a lot. You can always tell on a set like of actors like I can you can always tell who has come from like the soap world, not based on like the style of like of acting necessarily at all. Like no. I think a lot of people think of like, oh, if you're on a soap, you can't. It's not like I love my friends who've been on Disney Channel, but like they did have to like kind of either work on things simultaneously while on Disney Channel or have to unlearn the style. But soap, mm-hmm. it's not like that. Like you can do anything. And but people have this yeah. assumption but like you can tell based on how they like literally read the script. It's like, it's mind blowing. Like normally you're on a hair makeup trailer. Like you get your sides for the day, which if people don't know, like your sides are like these small little mini scripts. They kind of look like just like kind of, they're just very small, like half a piece of paper uh, size wise stapled together. And it has the scenes you're doing that day. It could be half of a scene, part of a scene or whatever. So normally on like a movie set, let's say it's way less pages. Maybe it's like eight maybe 12 oh, yeah a big max. page is a big day is like anything over seven is a big yeah day. so like a 12 would be like a lots of not dialogue like that would be like a mm-hmm. big exposition one but like eight would be like a big dialogue day but like you'll have four page days you'll have three page days you'll have five page like and then on a tv show you might have like a fine day would be eight to nine pages and a really hard day would be like 14 and then an impossible day would be like 16 17 mm-hmm. like so now imagine 80 but the the people who would be on them were all in hair and makeup trailer they would skip you just see their eyes scan one time through put it down and they're good and not once they okay. pick it up ever again and i'm like i'm sorry never call line they're just they know it because on soaps they only get one take they get mm-hmm. one maybe two but like they have to move on and so because it, it moves so fast. And so that's why like soaps get like this name about themselves. But you have to keep in mind that like they're not even, they don't even unless they're running lines with their scene partner in their trailer, they're not they don't even get a table read. They don't get a rehearsal. They're just coming in, hitting what they have to do. And then they're done. Yep. And they never call. They never ask for like a no. I've had soap after, actors like see other actors call. Like, hey, can I get a second? Do we have time? Do I could I do a second take? And they'll be like, oh. You can do, oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't. I mean, I am I can do another if you want. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, wow. It's amazing. It's like, it's super impressive. So now yeah. knowing, holy fuck. I'm so impressed. Mm-hmm. Wow. Soaps. Well, um, I'm really happy for you. And I, I think personally, I mean, let's not post it online. I'm sure there are lots of before and after plastic surgeries. But if you come across a fantastic one and you want to slide me the name. Oh, I will. Let the me know. Main, main one that. Just like, I was like, ooh, this is the same person. 
I here, I love plastic surgery. Do whatever the fuck you want. But it's fascinating. I think it's great. It was it's just fascinating how much granted she was like 20. She was in her early 20s when she yeah. started. And now she's in her 60s, I believe. Late 50s, early 60s, I believe. And so, you know, of course, aging wise, but like she looks great now. It's just like doesn't Different. look the same. Yeah. Yeah. I live for that shit. Live for it. Well, love that for you. Thank you. I have just gotten back from the wedding, best friend's wedding. I went to Sydney's wedding. She's married. Uh, where I sat at the table with all of like my friends. I mean, one of my friends has been there who I've known since like before I was born, and the rest I met when I was like eleven. And so we were like the OG old school like childhood through adult friends. So we were the table who was just sobbing, crying the whole time, and. It is so weird. Such a different experience when like, because I haven't been to a wedding of someone I'm like really close to and like really close to like their whole family and like watching all of that. So like, it's a very trippy experience, but I looked, I just have to say, I looked so good. I looked <laughs> amazing. And you like, did. she looked beautiful. She looked amazing. Of course, she like stunning bride. And um, I wore this like floor link cut out hot pink sequin dress, which every time someone, which everyone was like, oh my God, your dress. I, like word vomited, like I had Sydney's approval. She loves to dress. And they were like, okay, I wasn't <laughs> questioning that. But I was like, I just feel like I needed to like have a post-it on my head that was like, please wear she says this was okay. But it was like crazy to be like, holy shit, who said that you're old enough to get married? And it's so funny because like our other friend who's there with like her family, um, Gracie is also engaged and is getting married later this year. And I'm also engaged. And so like, Gracie's parents and Sydney's parents, like, I feel like it, it must have been such a trippy thing to, like, look at these, like, three kids, like, and suddenly all three of us are engaged at the same time and, like, are mm-hmm. all there with our partners. And, like, that was just, like, wow, that's so, it made me feel, like, so grown up because I was also seeing the kids there who were younger, who, like, I didn't even recognize who had to come up to me. I was like, Megan, hey. And I was like, hi. And they're like, I'm, oh it's so-and-so. Gosh. Like, it's this person's kid or whatever. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, because that age, when you see someone when they're like, I don't know, like 11 or 12. And then suddenly they're in their 20s. You're like, what the fuck? Sometimes I think like it's hard to recognize when you yourself are aging, when people are like, oh my gosh, like you're so grown up or whatever. And now that I'm in that stage where people who are younger than me will like recognize like me and be like, and then they have to tell me who they are. And it blows my mind. It's just (laughs) so, it's so crazy. And it makes me be like, oh my God, wow. This is how these other people must have felt with like me when I was younger and like now I'm getting to kind of experience that side of it and I don't know there's something like obviously like women have this insane pressure about like aging in Mm -hmm. like the aesthetic sense of it but in like the sentimental sense like I just think it was it's so cool to like see people grow up in a way that like it's like a very exciting thing like it's a privilege to be able to like grow older and then also watch other people grow older like we're not doing it alone or by ourselves and you know, there's this notion that there's like a certain age cap where aging no longer becomes cool. But I think like focusing on how awesome it is that these like it is cool no matter what age you are. But it's, like, how, I, yeah, yeah, I love seeing just people through the years and yeah. seeing how they've aged. I just think bodies are cool. Oh, my God. when people like especially the young boys who like shoot the fuck up and I'm like I'm sorry when did you get so fucking tall or also like do you know that like majority of like people who are assigned like men at birth like 
people who are born with penises tend to like their trajectory of like height like they don't stop growing until much later one of my best friends Mm -hmm. jake i was like dude you've like grown two inches in the last like couple years like you've gotten taller and you're 29 like the fuck so crazy so crazy meanwhile i've been the same height since i was 12 (sighs) same and i like this height and this is a height that works for me yeah no it's a perfect height for you i do sometimes wish i was shorter but then sometimes i'm like but i wouldn't if i woke up in a different body i'd be like what happened Mm -hmm. you know which i think we all would because that's freaky friday a fantastic film which which version you and mots hate it it's not well i mean there's several versions of it but my my biggest gripe is it's weird because like mot says (laughs) i have to go to the bathroom and wipe my mom's cat i didn't think of it that way yeah, like Mots told me that Freaky Friday is I want because like we had this whole list of I was like, I need you to see movies that have shaped me into who I am. We're still working on Aquamarine. But he was like, I'm having a really hard time watching a movie with Emma Roberts and Jojo and a, Sarah Pax as a fucking mermaid. And I'm like, it's wonderful. But sweet, he agreed on Freaky Friday because he was like, love a Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan movie. Love Jamie Lee Curtis. He just was pacing the whole time in this movie. And he goes, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. I was like, you've seen like hereditary he goes this is worse there's so many iterations of that movie like i grew up watching like it used to on the disney channel they used to have like they used to play the like maybe 70s version of it all the time it's the same movie essentially but i just i just can't get over the fact that like let's say you have a sexual urge and you're like in your mom's body that's disgusting that's gross that's That's so gross see that that's a valid point matz's thing comes from the sheer fear of Jamie Lee Curtis, the he, my, his fear is from the sexual predator things that just naturally mm-hmm. occur there that we're supposed to be like okay with. Yeah, and he's like Lindsay Lohan is like such a cunt, not her, but like the the like the fact that like she's letting her mom be a sexual predator Gross. is like really like he like couldn't he couldn't finish watching it and like we're not allowed to talk about it and i think it's i do think it's funny that he says it's the scariest most stressful movie he's ever seen and he loves yeah. horror movies but he would rather watch those you, he'd rather friday. watch watch jamie lee curtis in halloween as opposed to freaky friday yes yes and that's the i think scream part of the queen reason. herself the scrum quan activia anyways <laughs> which is why she was in scream queens think about it i thought okay my brain went to like because of the Activia couch, and no, I was like, oh, no, from the she was she's yeah. the Scream Queen. She still is. They're still making those Halloween movies. Yeah, I didn't learn that until after Scream Queens. Which, by the way, I am like I don't watch any of other Ryan Murphy's shows. Just like not usually my thing because like scary stuff freaks me out as it's intended. Um, but Scrum Queens, also known as Scream Queens, is like it's perfect. It's perfect in the fact that like we as a society let that and Bridget Mendler's music career just pass us by and Who? not wreck Bridget Mendler. You need to listen to it because you will at pop bops. She was just releasing bop after bop after bop. And we just took it as, yeah, another girl with a music career. And no, like it was a cultural reset and we have failed her. And that was the day that I realized that we as a society, we were, I don't know if we could be saved, but I need her music career to come back it's so good okay our music really crosses yes but like you like taylor swift love story and that's not 
that's country. This isn't country, but that same sort of like, I don't know what's it. Have you seen Josie and the Pussycat Dolls? Pussycats. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> it's Nicole Scherzinger there with her. It's just Josie and the Pussycat. So you know when they have that like addictive thing in the music or whatever? That's what her music is like. Like I, there's okay. MSG in it. Like I don't know what to tell you. Like there's just something. Okay. Je ne sais quoi. Let's get into the episode. Before we do that, I have to give you the phone number so you can call for an upcoming episode. You can leave us a voicemail at 310-694-0976 or international listeners. You can send us an audio message at meganpodcast at gmail.com. You have three minutes. It will literally cut you off. So to make best use of your time, we suggest that you write everything down that you want to say and make sure you include as much relevant information. You have to be 18 over, have your parents' permission. But like, you know, if you're 23, the advice we might give you might be different than if you're 30 or if it's about relationships, including how long you've been together and how old the other person is. If you want to include your pronouns, please feel free to do so. But if you write it down, take your phone out or a timer or any other mechanism for keeping time and time it out so it's under three minutes and you can practice to make sure of that and you have all the relevant information because the best advice we can give you is when we have best information. So practice a couple times and then record and who knows? You might hear yourself on an episode. I hear myself in a lot of episodes. Me too. It's crazy. It's wild. Crazy. You crazy girl. Hey, Megan, Melissa. I love both your podcasts. I look forward to hearing your perspectives every week since I discovered them a year ago. I'm calling for advice about my longtime best friend. But more broadly, I'm trying to figure out how to handle relationships. I mean, friendships. But yeah, whatever. Changing from closer to more casual in your adulthood. I'm very wordy, so I've had to leave out details and feelings. <laughs> I'm 29. Use she, her pronouns, and I'll call my best friend uh, Michelle. She's 28 and uses she, her pronouns. To get straight to what prompted me calling in, my birthday was this past Saturday. And when Sunday evening rolled around without a call or text from Michelle, I called our mutual friend, my other longtime best friend from middle school, Kelly. And vented to her about this. She messaged Michelle on IG, even though I told her not to, <laughs> asking if she'd forgotten my birthday. Michelle responded that she'd wished me happy birthday on Facebook Messenger. I don't have notifications on, so I went to go see her message, and it was a simple happy birthday with two hearts after another message, friend in a group message we have, who I'm less close to, has sent me a slightly longer, more enthusiastic birthday message. My hurt around this birthday message is compounded by the fact that I texted her in trying to plan my floating plan floating on my birthday, asking if she was available on two different weekend days, the first being my actual birthday, and she replied that her boyfriend's good friend, high school friends were visiting she and her boyfriend's house on my actual birthday weekend, but she should be free the other day. By the way, I dated one of boyfriend's dead friends for three months earlier this year and cut things off because he wanted something more casual, so she'd be spending time with him on my birthday. It really hurt me, but I reasoned with myself that I had given her a choice it had obviously been planned farther in advance. I was only giving a month's notice or so. So I gave a lukewarm response saying that I'd let her know if the date worked for most people, trying not to overreact. She then said she might be able to get away from her place for a day if my birthday was the date we went with. And I told her that meant a lot. But then I decided to do two separate, smaller get-togethers since my friends were kind of split in half with when they were available. But my actual birthday crew ended up dwindling from eight people to three due to unforeseen things that came up for people. Anyways, it feels like the window to voice my feelings on this is closed. And that this is the latest episode in a saga with like the last four years of our friendship where I feel like I'm more invested, putting in more effort and energy 
to keeping it alive. Do you think it's even worth bringing up how hurt I felt about her treatment towards my birthday? Do you think I'm being unfair and letting resentment build up and so it's partially on me? Do you think I need to let her fade to casual? She was the best friend who I felt like I could tell anything, and I like to hate my friends. It's hard to find new casual friends, let alone a new best friend. I appreciate any advice you guys have on this because it's really been weighing on me for a little while. Ugh, this is like so hard. And first, like your feelings are so valid, which I know can sound like a, my friends and I call it CKN, which is like a sound, like, ugh, like cringy, but like it, they are. And I don't want it to sound I don't know. Sometimes I'm worried I can sound condescending when I'm being like sincere. But like, I think that like, it doesn't really matter the actual events that occurred or took place. It's about like, feel like how we feel about these things. And like, it could be an instance that something wouldn't bother anyone at all. And like, they can have a lot of feelings towards it. And you could have been a different friendship interaction that you personally call her. It wouldn't have affected you negatively at all. But someone else, it will have these exact same feelings that they feel, that you feel towards this. Like, so we all know our own friendships best way, like ourselves. And we know when things feel off. And I think, I mean, it makes sense that like you, towards the end of it, you said that this feels like it's been like the, like, this is like a summation of the last four years. And this is like, sadly, a really common thing. And I don't think that because it's common, it means that it's something that we should get like used to or like complacent with. I'm like an over communicator. But when I'm like talking to like really close friends, like sometimes I can feel like I'm more inclined to internalize something, whether you're trying to like protect a friendship or you're trying to protect yourself and your feelings in that friendship where it's like, well, if I say something and like it doesn't go over well, this person has the ability to like really hurt my feelings like more than anyone else. So I want to play my cards carefully. But I always will advocate for I don't think there's like a statue of limitations on like when your feelings are hurt. Like there's a reason why you didn't immediately say it. And there's a reason why that it's like still sticking with you. Like, I don't think you have to say, I think if you are comfortable saying something in the moment, you should totally go for it. But sometimes you need some time to kind of process and you think that it might be something that you quote unquote, get over or move past or you don't think about more, but you do. And I think that like saying that to her of just being like, really honest of, hey, this, I know this instance had like passed a while ago, but this really hurt my feelings. And it wasn't just this one singular event. I think it's kind of, this felt like the representation that it feels like from my perspective that I felt like I've kind of been holding on to these friendships. And I don't know if that has been how you've felt, because I really do feel like Maybe it's in my own head, but that if I didn't put this much effort in, like our friendship wouldn't be this way. And so it's made me pretty insecure about this. And so that voice in my head had some more ammo when this instance occurred and this happened. And it just really sucks because I like miss spending time with you. And I know our lives have like grown and changed, but I want our friendship to continue to grow and to change. But I also don't want to hold on to a friendship if this is something that you're that isn't like a priority for you like I'm not asking to be a number one priority but like when it comes to friendships like I want to be putting in what I'm getting out and I don't know if this is feeling one-sided or if there's like a conversation we can have about this but like I would be doing both of us like a disservice if I didn't say that like this situation just really hurt my feelings you have an option 
when communicating with friends, I think is, do you want to have a message where you just tell them that your feelings were really hurt and that you just need to get that off your chest so they know that that really hurt you? Or do you want to have a conversation about like where your friendship is going and finding a solution? Because there's not a solution to hurt feelings. And that's, I think it's just important to know when you're going into it, what you want, because I've had both conversations. I've had both of like, we're not on the same page. Things are working out. Like, let's figure this out. But then sometimes like my feelings just get hurt and there's nothing to figure out. I just like need you to know that that hurt my feelings and I need some like recognition for that. And I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to know. So I think it's about figuring out what you what you want out of the situation. And then do you think that you're going to get that out of either situation, like by having that conversation? Because if not, then it might be you might then prefer to do kind of more of a fade or a pullback. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think you have to. I don't know. I'm I'm someone like I'm not gonna have a conversation. You and I both um, we're ghosters. But I'm also I'm not gonna have a conversation with someone if I don't think that you are if I don't think there's a high likelihood that you are going to like, understand that you've hurt my feelings and have remorse about that or that you're going to want to have a conversation with me and like change like the current situation. I'm not going to waste any of our time doing that if I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. At this point in my life, the friends that I have that I consider like friend friends, like I hold them very close and dear. And so if one of my friends that I'm like, this is someone that's not like a casual friend, this is one of my close friends did to this, did this to me. A fa- I mean, I'm not on Facebook, so, but a Facebook message is so, Impersonal. it's not personal. It's not personal at all. And so that just feels like that she's someone that does not respect your relationship. She doesn't respect your place in her life as a friend. She just sees this as something casual. And so I personally, like, this would be someone that I probably, for me, at this point, like I, I just feel like we're all adults and I just don't have the time and energy to invest myself into people that it's not mutually beneficial for us um, as friends. And so if they're going to just treat me this way and they don't care how I feel on a day that's my birthday, that's super special to me and aren't going to, you know, call me or send a a text message directly to me or, you know, maybe like post something on social media, like directly about me, then you don't have the same thoughts on friendship as I do. And so I'd give her one chance, but she's disrespected you on multiple occasions. But maybe just say if you want to kind of do like a friendship exit interview, like (laughs) this has been, you know, over the blah, blah, blah. However long we've been friends, I've cherished our friendship. I've liked when we've done blah, blah, blah. I just feel like recently that we haven't been on the same page. I thought I was invested in this friendship, but you don't think it doesn't seem like you're invested just to cut energies because it takes a lot of energy to be someone's friend. Then I don't want to exert my energy towards this friendship anymore. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry that you have to go through this and and especially on your birthday like in how long have you been friends with her in the past how has she wished mm-hmm. you a happy birthday or any other thing that's going on through your that's gone on in your life anything that you know a big moment that she's been there like to congratulate you or even like small moments or even like when you're going through something tough has she been able to be there for you 
I would look at this might be like the one thing that stands out as something huge, but like look at it over the whole course of your friendship. Has she always been like this? Is there something else going on that caused it at this time? Is she going to do anything to make up for it? Does she know how upset you are? Mm -hmm. So that's how I would handle it. Maybe you've just been dealing with this bullshit and like you didn't really recognize it because this is like middle school shit. Like, I'm sorry, at 28, if you're like, sorry, my boyfriend's like friend from high school is in town. Like, I can't. No, what? Like, that's just like such a and it's like you already you also used to hook up with that guy. It's so weird to me. I also think that like point blank, it's weird that like if if I'm scheduling something and it like falls on someone's birthday and I'm like planning something in advance, like one of my close friends will be like, hey, did you want to do something on your exact mm-hmm. birthday or do you want to do it later? I just like want to, you know, we're a month ahead or a couple months. We haven't I haven't heard about it. And like that's only if it's during the week. If it's on a weekend, I'm not scheduling anything because I'm assuming. But if it's on a Tuesday and I'm like, hey, did you want to do something for your birthday on Tuesday? I'm like scheduling a doctor's appointment. I was going to schedule it for like Wednesday or something. But like, I just want to. You literally did that for me. Like, you yeah. were, this is when you were kind of you were planning on having that surgery you're going to have. And then it didn't pan out that you're going to have it. But like you oh, were yeah. asking me, like, are you going to do something for your birthday? Yeah, I you just did think that like, that. like <laughs> that's just like what a good friend does. Yeah. So like even in like the actual practice of like how she handled your birthday on the day of your birthday, that I don't think we're like putting enough emphasis on like the prior to your birthday. Like that's just a shitty thing in general. Like we talk about like relationships aren't always 50-50. Sometimes you're giving more than you're taking. But I think friendships are tend to need to be a little bit more of that. And like there's leeway for understanding when people are going through things. But it's not about like making up for the things that they lack and like friendship wise like that's not what any relationship is about like you need to be like equal people coming into a relationship like not oh well you're not as communicative so then I will be extra communicative you're not as caring so then I need to be like no and I think that like there is a good chance like like Melissa said there's a good chance that this has been who she is and how her behavior has been and like you just might have grown up and matured and recognized like oh, I'm done with this. And like a relationship can serve you for a certain period of time and then it's run its course and it's done. And it doesn't mean that you needed to have like higher standards before. It doesn't mean that like you should have ruled her out of being friends with you. Like it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that at this point in your life, this is not the kind of friendship that you're like looking for. And it sucks because I think it's, like you said, like you have some other casual friendships. This person was like your best friend. But I think like if you take away that arbitrary title, has she been acting like a best friend? Because mm-hmm. then you're not you can't really lose something you didn't have. But I'm sorry, because this really sucks. And it would like really upset me. But yeah, exit interview, have a conversation with her. And if this is something that she's remorseful of and like actually has like an action plan of like things that we like that can change. I think like if you want to give her a chance, go for it. But I think bad friendships are far more draining than no friendships at all. Agree. All right. Next call. 
Hey, Megan and Melissa. I'm calling for some advice about dealing with my boyfriend's shitty friends. For some context, I'm 27, she, her, and my boyfriend and his two friends, who I'm going to call Kevin and Brian, are all 29, he, him. The boyfriend and I have been together for two years. Kevin and my boyfriend have been best friends since childhood, and they've both been friends with Brian since college. Everyone I've mentioned so far, including myself, identifies as straight, which I promise is important to the context of the story. I've never liked Kevin or Brian. I think they're really rude, annoying, condescending, and don't seem to have the same values as my boyfriend and me. While my boyfriend understands why I don't like them, he thinks that they're good guys who can just come off the wrong way to people who don't know them well. I've always made an effort to at least be cordial with Kevin and Brian, and I've been willing to put up with them for my boyfriend's sake in the past, but after my boyfriend's birthday celebration last weekend, I have no interest in being around Kevin or Brian at all anymore. Basically, Kevin and Brian made a birthday cake for my boyfriend, which they proudly showed off and laughed at hysterically. The cake said, happy birthday, F-slur, as in the slur used against gay people. My boyfriend and I were both very upset by this. We agree that it's not okay for straight people to use that word in any context, and Kevin and Brian both know that my boyfriend and I have a lot of close friends and family members in the LGBTQ plus community. My boyfriend explained to me that it was a word that he also used to use as a joke, but he grew the fuck up, unlike Kevin and Brian, and stopped using it years ago when he learned how hurtful it was. My boyfriend apologized to me for his friend's behavior and let Kevin and Brian know that they'd upset both of us. Kevin did apologize to my boyfriend and me separately, but he seemed way more focused on trying to convince me he's a good person than actually showing genuine remorse for what he did or openness to learning or changing. Brian did not apologize to me or my boyfriend and didn't say anything else about the situation. I told my boyfriend that, at least for now, I refuse to be around Kevin or Brian. I said that if he still wants to hang out with them, I personally think that's really embarrassing for him, and I will never understand why he continues to be friends with them, but I can't control who his friends are, I guess. My boyfriend has decided to take the approach of trying to educate his friends rather than cut them out of his life. He hopes that they'll be able to learn and change, and that then I'll be more tolerant of them. While I think it's great my boyfriend wants his friends to learn about social issues, I'm skeptical about how effective this will really be, and I've made it very clear that there's a pretty big chance I may never be open to being around them again. My boyfriend is upset and stressed about the fact that I don't want to be around two of his closest friends, but he understands that Kevin and Brian are the ones who fucked up, and he, of course, is willing to respect my boundaries. So, how do I try to get past the fact that my boyfriend is choosing to remain friends with these fucking assholes? Do you guys think I'm overreacting or being too harsh? Do you think I'm not being harsh enough? (laughs) Thank you for any advice you can give. And I also want to note that, yes, this did happen during... Assumption was Pride Month. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. These men are 29 years old. Yep. Okay. I know you've been dating your boyfriend for two years, but he's 29 and he didn't know that that was hurtful until what, college? Because it's an inside joke with him and Brian and him and Brian. It's him, Brian and Kevin. And him and Brian didn't meet till college. And also... You don't like these guys. You've never liked these guys. So this was quite literally the icing on the cake. I was like, literally. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but you haven't liked them since. So like this has been a pattern of behavior. And now it was the literal writing that made your boyfriend be like, well, now it's time to educate them. And when did your boyfriend get educated on these words? Was that through you? 
did you do the emotional labor of educating your boyfriend on social issues and these things? And then did he just go on his merry way and not correct the friends he was with? Did this not like, I'm sorry, I just think that like educating someone like maintaining a friendship based on the fact that you can educate someone that's like a there's a time that's there's a time limit on that. And like, you've had some time. But now it's when it is embarrassing to you. Because that's what this is. Like, now it's no longer that these people are, like, saying some stupid shit behind closed doors. We, they embarrassed your boyfriend. And I think that's... They embarrassed him in front of you. And it reflects really poorly on him to you. And I think that's what he is the most upset about. Like, do you think if this had happened and you weren't there, he would have come home and told you? Mm-hmm. Do you think that he would have laughed about it? Do you think mm-hmm. that his response would have been different? Because the fact that he's saying that he's like, no, I'm going to maintain my friendship to educate them. I would be like, I've never liked these guys for this very reason. What the fuck have you been doing this whole time? Because I'm sorry, if you've been trying to educate them this whole time, they're clearly not susceptible to it and not ready to it. So say the fuck goodbye. Like this is like such an overt, overt act of homophobia. Like this is like so fucked that like this is not the first thing. There's been so many of these steps to get to this place to where they feel comfortable doing this and they think they are in a good audience. And that audience included you. And this is no fault to you at all. But it makes me think how your boyfriend has portrayed you when you are not around is not to who you are either. You say you can't control who your boyfriend's friends with. No, but you can control who your boyfriend is. And like, no. These men are damn near 30. Disgusting. I think the first time I heard the F word, I might have been like seven or something. And I have known since I was seven that this is a bad word not to use, that it's a derogatory term not to use. There's no excuse for it at this point with these grown ass men. I don't know what they do for a living, but they go around yelling it like where they work. Like, where do they work? They know that this is wrong. They know that this isn't something that's okay. Also, you've known them for two years. Have they shown any growth over this time at all? I'm sure they haven't. I personally do not have a lot of faith in your boyfriend because as Megan said, I I think he's using, he's acting just the same way as he did when he was in college and just did and goes about it and just laughs things off. Maybe he doesn't actually say the word. Maybe he just laughs it off and doesn't course correct them in the moment. Like Kevin apologized, but half ass apologized, but Brian didn't. Also, like how much how much more educating like he he clearly your boyfriend clearly enjoys hanging out with them. They see I guess he has fun with them. He's not just going to sit and educate them every time they're hanging out they're they're having fun so like your actions show how much of a good person you are not your words and so their actions don't show anything as far as them improving who they are and like your boyfriend should be embarrassed to be their friends he should be embarrassed to show his face around them. He should be embarrassed that he even is defending them in some sort of way. Because they're not... Good people don't act like this. No, and how clueless are they that he thinks, as a nearly 30-year-old, that the only way that they are going to be able to be educated is they need him to maintain a friendship in their life. Open a fucking book. Read some shit. 
But it's like, no, no, I want to maintain a friendship so they can, so I can educate them. If they wanted to be educated, they have every capability to do so themselves. And if now this is the time that you've decided you want to educate them, what the fuck have you been doing this whole time? And again, like this is not on your boyfriend to educate them now. They are adults. They can do that shit themselves. And if he thinks that that is his responsibility and that he needs to do that, first of all, it's not going to happen. He's not going to do it because there's nothing to change. They're too fucking old for that. And if that was actually the truth, why the fuck would your boyfriend want to be friends with like literally two grown toddlers who are 30 years old? Why would he want to be friends he, with someone where it's like, I'm doing extra credit curricular, like a volunteer service or I'm educating homophobes. Like that's not what he's doing. These are what he's calling his friends. But like the amount of fucking work he would have to do to educate them is like a fucking seminar. And do you think that's what he wants to do? No, he wants to hang out with his friends. He's not viewing it as an educational tool. He's viewing it as friendship. because He's not going to fucking educate them because he actually does not really care that much. His friendship, quote unquote, whatever he views that is, is more important to him than ruffling any feathers by stopping them from being absolute assholes. And you haven't liked them since the beginning. If your partner thinks highly of you and you do not like someone in their life, the only correct response to that, if someone that you are really close to, it's not a toxic relationship is, hmm, what is this person seeing that I'm not? And what are the differences between this person and I? Is this, is, is my partner of the opposite sex or gender? Is this person, uh, is my partner uh, not cis? Is my partner not like straight? Is my partner not uh, white? Is my partner of like a different background? Like, is this friend of mine give, doing microaggressions, is being sexist, is being homophobic, or is doing these things that don't directly affect or pertain to me, but my partner is picking up on them because it affects a group that they are a part of. Like, if you're in a relationship with someone and you don't like, like, that's what you do. Like, if I think, if I think highly of like you, Melissa, and you don't like someone, my instinct is, and I've liked them. My instinct is not like, oh no, they're really great. Let me defend them. Mine is like, oh my, what happened? We have different life experiences. So it is mm-hmm. completely natural and completely fine that I could miss something that they have done. But if I respect someone and I think highly of them and I care about them, I, my instinct is to find out what I missed, not to defend these people that I can't defend against an experience that I've never had or like a feelings that I don't have towards them. Like it just shuts it down. Like, has your boyfriend even ever asked you like what it is that you don't like about these people? Because like, that's the part, if it's just like shutting it down, then it's like, you don't care what I think. You don't, they can't do any, you don't want, you don't want to know. You want to remain blissfully ignorant in your fucking bubble And you don't want anyone to come in here and rock the boat and say that what they're saying is not okay, because then you have to do some reflection of the fact that you've been laughing at this and creating an environment where they felt comfortable to bring a fucking cake that had the F slur on it for your birthday. How did they feel comfortable doing that? You are the company that you keep. Your boyfriend not only calls them friends, but says that they're good guys who can come off the wrong way. Oh, I forgot about that. he, He thinks that these are good people. He thinks that they're good. It's a misunderstanding. Yeah. You you just misunderstood what happened. You just misunderstood the whole situation. I implore you, caller, to look at your boyfriend, not for who he presents himself as when he's around you, but as the whole picture, because he's wrong. He tolerates these things to happen, even if he might, you know, correct it correct them one time here, one time there. What's he doing in the big picture that shows that he is actually a good person that isn't just turning a blind eye to what his friends are doing? 
Yeah. Like who, who is he behind closed doors? And what would you think of him if someone that you respect and you care about heard him with these guys? Like, what would you like? I, I have no worries or fear or anything of that. Like someone is going to overhear moths with his, like, I don't have to worry about him. Like, I don't have to worry about how he comes across, how he portrays himself, how he carries himself. I don't. At this point, you're going to then start making excuses for your boyfriend the same way mm-hmm. that he's making for his friends, where it's like, you don't understand him. Like, some, he just comes across wrong. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's not about not laughing. It's not about being like, guys, come on. It's not about like a slight like redirection. No, no, no. It's like, you need to stop these things as they happen. There is no innocent joke when it comes to targeting a community that is relentlessly targeted and has violence against them. It's not funny. There's no joke in the matter of that because laughing at these jokes and making these things okay and making it be like, oh, it's an inside joke that we used to say this word. Like it's a ha ha ha, whatever. Like, no, no, people die for being gay. Like people are Mm -hmm. killed for that. Like it's not, it is not a joke. And I will be the first to admit that like there are so many terms and things that like we saw on TV as a kid that was just casual words that were being said. And when you're younger and you don't have adults to like, let you know, like, hey, that's not something that you learn. You you learn later. You learn whenever someone tells you, hey, this thing that has been perceived as normal in media as a joke. Like, I remember when people would say, like, that's so G-A-Y to mean, like, stupid. And it's like, that was said on things that it wasn't just said on NCT. the playground. It was just. It was but it, was, said it wasn't everywhere. said in things that it was like, oh, I'm watching an R-rated movie. So I know the things in here are like illicit. It was mm-hmm. said on things that were made for kids who were like 12, 13. Like there right. wasn't that level of, I don't want to say censorship, but like understanding of that. So like it became on parents and adults and fellow peers. And just as more resources came and teachers to educate people and, and how that goes. And I understand that I grew up with that. Like there are like the R slur was a word that was in regular vocabulary for me when I was, I don't know, probably like fifth grade. And when I was in, no, I think it must've been like in fourth grade. That was a pretty common word in my elementary school. And we had a teacher fifth grade who had explained like how this was not an okay thing because she heard someone say it. And it was, oh, I, I didn't know, but I was a child with other children. He is a 30 year old fucking man. And what that did the first time, and it's not the first and only time I've ever been like educated on a term terminology being derogatory or hurtful or harmful to certain groups. What the first time that happens, you then go, hmm, I need to pay attention to every word I hear from now on and make sure that I am going out of my way to educate myself because I come from a position of privilege that I am not going to be having a lot of derogatory words used against me for the vast majority of the things that I'm privileged with. So it's on me where I've been educated before. So I've been I'll be educated again. So it's I have to go seek that out. And that has happened to them, too. That is not a unique experience. It's happened to literally every child at some point, like truly. Mm-hmm. And we think of the old fucking people who are so set in their ways. Like, we can't say shit anymore. I'm like, no, someone told you 25 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, that what you said was offensive. And in that moment, you said, fuck that. I don't care. This isn't the first time you've been told something's offensive. This is you've decided that you don't give a shit. Yeah, I was recently around someone that's older and they were saying things that were of the norm when they were growing up and are not of the norm. And they're like, and they have said like everything I, I would correct them and educate mm-hmm. them on why 
it was wrong, what, why what they were saying was wrong. And they said, everything I say to you is offensive. And I was like, everything that you've said has always been offensive. It's always been offensive, but people now feel more empowered mm-hmm. and are educating others. So now it's your job to listen and learn and then take it and do the same. All right, let's take a break. Okay. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today's episode is brought to you by a sponsor we love, 310 Nutrition. 310 Nutrition is helping us, you, our listeners, in the new year with protein and superfood rich products with so many options and flavors for your personal preferences. They're adding new products all of the time and I just got my, I mean, I didn't just get my package. I just got a a, a secondary of my package and I, as someone who needs electrolytes to function, there it's like elixir from the gods i cannot sing their praises enough specifically the cucumber flavor of this electrolyte mix is delicious like it's it's so good i've even like had it on like ice and been like i'm drinking like a drink drink like you can throw a little straw in there 
Oh, and, and it's it's delicious. It's so good. And I just I love they're filled with so many great ingredients that really help if you're like me and you like, you know, medically need some electrolytes. But also if you're working out, if you're sweating hot summer day, you're going to an amusement park, you're on your feet for a long period of time, all of that. Um, most of us are not getting the electrolytes we need. Yeah, I drink mine specifically when I am working out. It's my beverage while I'm working out. I just take one stick of the hydrate, mix it in with my bottle of water. 16 ounces of water can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water if you got that hydrate in there. They also have the all-in-one shakes, which I absolutely love. I'm running low, so I got to get some more. But um, I love the chocolate bliss the vanilla cream the caramel sundae i have all three of those flavors sometimes i mix and match them sometimes i'll use it when i'm baking or i'll just drink it straight and it is they're so good they have a triplex protein blend plant-based proteins that include pea brown rice and pumpkin that makes it so delicious you can get fiber and superfood blends with more than 25 organic fibers and superfoods blended into one easy delicious shake and they also have three tins four shake flavor starter kit which lets you sample all the flavors for only nine dollars Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with Don't Blame Me and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and super easy to put together an order, or you can start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code BLAMEME right now for 50% off up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code BLAMEME. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about Book of the Month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available. And I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like... <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like, you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is, it's kind of like a, a straight shot into that and something that book of the month you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress and as well there are reading challenges and rewards and book of the month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next which for me is like the biggest hurdle i love when other people make choices for me especially when they're good choices and i'm like cool i can trust you so each month the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from all of the books are so good you can't go wrong and i mean that wholeheartedly when we were picking like our selects for this i was like wait this I like all of them. This is hard. And I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like, okay, so these are like my top ones. I'm assuming they will be yours. So don't pick the same one as me. So then we can swap afterwards. And that's what we did. So we got the ministry of time by Killian Bradley. 
And we also received The Return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean. The Ministry of Time is like people are calling it like if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books, it's quoted from Town and Country saying it's really innovative, fun storytelling. The Ministry of Time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must read books for spring 2024. And then Harper's Bazaar also said part time travel romance, part spy thriller and 100% multifaceted joyride. <gasps> When I tell you that, I was like, sold. We're also excited about the return of Ellie Black. And this one is about a missing girl who returns. But that isn't the end of the story. It's only the beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since Detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since, Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm -hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. Okay, we're back. Hi. Hello. Roll the tapes. Hi, Melissa and Megan. I'm currently dealing with a major fuckboy situation, and I'd love some advice. I'm 29 and use she, her pronouns, and the story is mostly about a guy I was kind of seeing who's 28 and uses he, him pronouns, and we'll call him Spencer. In December of 2021, I had a really bad breakup with a guy that I was with for a year and a half. We were living together with my daughter, and it was just a really hard time. After a while, I felt ready enough to start talking to other people but I wasn't seriously looking for anything, but it was nice to get attention and it's fun to flirt from time to time. In about March or April of this year, I met Spencer on Hinge and we started talking every day and we were really enjoying getting to know each other. After about two months of talking, we finally decided to meet up and we had a really fun date and ended up picking up that day. The next morning, he was holding my hand and giving me forehead kisses, so I thought we really hit it off. So I was confused that he wasn't reaching out as much after we hung out. And when we did talk, he was saying how I wasn't as affectionate as he thought I'd be and how he felt like I didn't like him. Even though I tried to reassure him that I did, I just didn't want to be all over him and scare him off because it was a first date. We kind of kept talking for like a week after that, and he kept saying the same things about me not being into him, and eventually we just stopped talking. So this morning, I woke up to a text from him just saying hi, so I casually said hi back. He then proceeded to send me a message saying that I gave him chlamydia. I was super confused because I hadn't gotten any symptoms and it caught me off guard as we hadn't talked in like two weeks. I told him that was weird, but I would go get tested immediately. And he said, good, because I got tested a week before we hooked up. And you're the only person I hooked up with without a condom since then. And that made me even more upset and confused. I told him he was the only person I had slept with in the last six months since my breakup. Then he literally said to me, it sounds like your ex got it and gave it to you right before he broke up with you. I went this morning and got tested, and I've spent the whole morning pissed at my ex, but I was talking to my coworker, and she thinks that Spencer's been gaslighting me this entire time. She's obsessed with this podcast and told me to call in, so I'd really like to hear what you guys think. Also, I'm a Sagittarius, and he's a Scorpio with a little dick, so I feel like maybe I should have seen this coming. Oh, wow. First of all, your coworker sounds like a wonderful person. <laughs> Holy shit, men. This is where my brain immediately went. I may be wrong. He knew he had chlamydia the whole time and he slept with you and he 
wanted to he, like he gave you chlamydia on purpose also please 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 this is for everyone please do not have unprotected sex with anyone regardless if you're on birth control or not unless you're in a committed relationship a monogamous committed relationship you never ever regardless if someone tells you that they've been tested or anything like you never fucking know and there's just a lot of things that you can contract that can be detrimental to your health so please do not have unprotected sex unless you're in a monogamous committed relationship yeah and I'm sure I mean, I'm sure you're beating yourself up about that. And like, you know that I agree. Like, I agree. Like, I, I I hope I'm wrong. Like, I hope he didn't purposefully try to give you chlamydia. But that is also where my gut is going. And that's also a part of the reason why it's like so wildly important. Again, I don't I don't want this like caller. Like, I don't want you to feel like this is like me preaching to you because like, you know, like, I'm sure you're beating yourself up about this it's, like to everybody else. Like, Mm-hmm. This is also why it's really important to to use to use condoms is because like, I don't know, we're so fucking afraid that like every single person is going to be like a serial killer and is like coming for us and all of that. Like when like these intentional sexual offenses of intentionally giving someone STDs, that is something that is a much larger threat to actually all of our lives than us getting kidnapped by someone that we don't know. And it's these things that can some that can feel like absolutely outlandish, but also somewhat so wild that that they also don't even seem very harmful, but they are. And it's 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 really fucked that that is something that like you can only control your own body. And that is something that like in these instances of when you're having consensual sex with somebody, protection needs to be regardless of how much you like this person and how much you like your gut tells them, tells you that they're like great and that they would never do anything nefarious like that. Like consensual sex is only consensual if you know what you're getting yourself into. And that is like, like Melissa said, unless you're in a committed monogamous relationship, I don't think that that is a risk that I think it's a risk we need to talk about more. It's not mm-hmm. just about take my word for it. It's you might not even know. You might not even know that you have something. Let's say even like with HIV, like you could get tested and it could be like in the incubation incubation phase for six months mm-hmm. and you don't even know. Or HPV, like for a lot mm-hmm. of people with penises, HPV doesn't show any symptoms. And so they like haven't displayed anything. And so maybe you didn't ask for that specifically on a panel of what they got tested for. Maybe the last time someone got tested, it was after they had tested positive for gonorrhea and they got a second test to make sure they were clear of gonorrhea and they didn't get tested for everything all over again. Mm -hmm. And then you can get that and it's much more harmful to someone with a vagina. And it's just like, as a whole, you can only consent to what you know you're you know you know what's happening. And um that needs to be a part of it. So for everybody else, I can't imagine, and if anyone wants to call this, oh, this is reverse sexism. I can't imagine that not wearing a condom on the first time that you meet someone that you end up hooking up with them was your idea. And I am not imagining that he had a condom and you said, No, I don't want to use this, but like I think that when it comes to like our own sexual health, like we should 
have these things on us. We should have these this protection. But if he showed up to your place and didn't bring anything and still wanted to go through with having sex, that to me is like a major red flag that he knew exactly what he was doing. And then the whole you're not that into me. All of that just seems kind of like mind games to be mm-hmm. like, I want you to feel indebted to me. I want you to feel like I'm trying to make myself look like, oh, I'm a victim. Like, oh, you're not nice to me. I'm trying to get you to like be over the top with me. And I'm trying to get you to feel like you have to coddle me and you have to give me all of this reassurance. And then I'm going to make you feel like you are then tied to me and that nobody else is going to deal with these things besides me and that we are in this together. And it's like, I hate that that's like a thing. And like, I hope that a lot of people had no idea that was ever like a thing that people do, but it it is. And like, it's fucked. And there's also maybe even a chance that he doesn't even have chlamydia and he's just trying to scare you and control you to see what your reaction is. Or he does. And he's not trying to, he didn't intentionally try to give it to you, but the rest of his actions don't line up. Mm-hmm. So after you get your results back, positive or negative, let him know. And then after that, block him completely and don't ever talk to him again. Yeah. And if they are positive, make sure to give the clinic you went to or the doctor you went to like tell them like, hey, I let this person that I slept with know. I do think there's a chance they may have given it to me intentionally. So I'm going to give you their name and their phone number. Like they can't let you know medical records and things like that. But when it comes to intentionally, even at the potential of intention, like the, the possibility of someone intentionally spreading STDs around their they can look into things and mm-hmm. call him for an appointment and then get uh, his last sexual partners and find out those things to do that. Like if STDs and STIs, a lot of that like contact tracing thing that we've used in COVID is also used in these instances, which is why it's important to get tested and also let the people that you have who could have potentially also gotten this know because it helps this network of mm-hmm. Uh, doctors and patient doctors be able to protect um, their patients and treat their patients. So, yeah. Well, let us know. And we are sending you thoughts, hoping that it comes back negative. But also, if it doesn't, that is like no reflection of like you and the person that you Mm -hmm. are. And I know that you don't need me to tell you that. But like, there's so much stigma of STIs and STDs being correlated with like moral failures. Want to make sure that like, you know, that even if it comes back negative, like it's okay and it's going to be okay. And like, you're not alone in any of this. And there, again, it having STDs has like no moral correlation and like, it's not a moral failure. It's just medical things. It's just something that happens. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to negate that it can be like incredibly hard to deal with like emotionally and physically and like something that alters your life, but it's not something that is like a reflection of you or who you are, unless you want that to be something for you. Like it it is whatever it is for you, but morally or anything, it doesn't. Yeah. It's, it doesn't define who you are. Yeah. But I'm sorry. This is also must be just like such a like mind fuck of like stress for the last couple days of waiting to hear back. So Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. Ugh. all right. Next call. Hi, Megan and Melissa. In this story, unless otherwise stated, we're all 20 or 21 year old third year college students. 
My friends and I are concerned about one of my friends. We'll call him Max. Being a 35-year-old man, we'll call Frank. Max lives with three other college dudes, and we're all in a friend circle. I started hearing about Frank in May when he started visiting Max's house more often. Max's roommates have met Frank, but as a group, we don't know much about him. Apparently, Max met him online. They've gone on several weekend-long camping trips without telling Max's roommate. Max doesn't share his location and won't tell his roommates where he's going. His roommates have expressed concern for his whereabouts and safety a number of times, even to Max, but Max seems indifferent. Additionally, Frank has made Max's roommates uncomfortable a couple of times when he'd be at their house unexpectedly. For example, one of Max's roommates woke up at 4 a.m. and found Frank sitting on their couch in their living room without Max, which startled my friend. Frank also leaves some of his stuff at their house when he goes over and has in the past left his bike in an act. Today, Max's roommates told me that they just found out that Max and Frank have been talking since Max was a freshman living in the dorms. Max was going through a hard time that year, and we think that that was an opportune time for Frank to enter his life. Frank allegedly travels to our state pretty often, but none of us know where the fuck he comes from or why he's seeking out college students online. Max is not out yet, so none of us are supposed to know this much about their relationship. We are very concerned that he's being groomed. We don't know how to confront him about his about this without forcing him to come out to us. He's already a very private person, and we don't want him to shut us out. The girls in our group have expressed that if Max were a girl, we would have shut it down so quick. The guys have said that they don't want to interfere with Max's happiness, but surely there's a safer way for Max to explore his sexuality when our college in the town we live in has a thriving and accepting queer community. Is it possible to confront him about our concerns without outing him? And how do we look out for his safety? A lot of us are traveling out of town for the summer, leaving only one of Max's roommates to talk to him directly. Should we have the roommate do the talking, especially since they'll be roommates next year when they move to a new city? What reason could a 35-year-old man have for keeping shit and hanging out at a 20-year-old college kid's house? Love the podcast. My friend was a past caller, and we'd appreciate any advice from y'all. Have a good day. Mm. I think it is important to note that like, we are, anyone who's new here, we are two cis straight women, but not but. That's just a fact. I do know that this is sadly a very prominent thing in the gay community. I've since learned it's also pretty common in relationships with with, like two, two women, whether that's lesbian relationships, bi relationships, pan relationships. The only experience I have of seeing it firsthand growing up in my life and then also as I got older in friendships and seeing that is with two men. That's kind of my knowledge for it. So I I have a little bit of more knowledge of that. And I do truly think that when it comes to those large age gaps and the people who are more susceptible to being in large age gap relationships, it does pretty much track across the board, regardless of the sexual orientations of both parties and what the relationship is like the origins of that is pretty similar. And that is that it is a person who is trying to set the stage for what a relationship is and like how that works. And so it happens to people who have not been in long-term relationships or have had a lot of attention from whatever person and whatever gender that they are attracted to. So that spans all of it. It does tend to happen in gay men specifically because like a lot of the time 
like your friend Max isn't out right now, hasn't is going probably went through high school without having any like public or relationships. And because people have been pushed in the closet for so long, as opposed to heterosexual relationships, like there's more opportunity for predatory older people to to tell a younger person that this is what a relationship is because they don't have that experience because they have been pushed into a closet and haven't been able to get out. And so I think it can also has a portrayal of someone you can look up to and someone who is a part of a community and like living their life in a way that they want to. And that also adds a level of power. And that's what age gap relationships are. It's power. You did mention that it started when he was 18 because I'm I'm not hesitant to use the term grooming in general, but I'm hesitant to use it in the wrong context because this does feel like now it might be because of what they said. Yeah, I so I looked up like what like the American Bar Association considers grooming and it says sexual grooming is a preparatory process in which a a predator gradually gains a person's or organization's trust with the intent of being sexually abusive. The victim is usually a child, teen, or vulnerable adult. So in this case, your friend is the vulnerable adult. Yeah, so I think that if... The only caveat I'll say is if a sexual relationship hasn't yet started or has only started now, then I I think by textbook definition, it would be considered grooming. If the sexual mm-hmm. relationship had started already, that's just a predatory relationship. It's not grooming because it's it's gaining the trust and the friendship with that intent later down the road. But yeah, I do think initially I didn't I didn't know. But I do think after the caveat that it was. 18 going through a really hard time and now it's seemingly romantic uh, or sexual that this is grooming and mm-hmm. I uh you kept saying you don't want to out him so what it sounds like is he's not actually even out to you or out to like your friend group just maybe his room like the roommate or a couple other people and I mean my advice honestly is to spend as much time with like Max as you can and being close to Max and This might be like a very backwards way of doing this, but I think like making Max feel comfortable to bring Frank around you and bring Frank around your friends. And I think that the thing that is a really big issue with this is if someone has built a relationship in secret and private, it's because that that person has told them that everyone else is dangerous. Everyone else is going to be anti this. They're prepping him to be isolated against everybody. And I think as a friend, what you do is you... Don't let that happen. But I don't think the solution is trying to isolate him from someone who told everyone that this is what's going to happen. Your friends are going to turn against you. Everyone's going to turn against you. They're not going to understand. So I think the more that you can include Max, and it doesn't even like, if you don't feel comfortable, like you said, your friends, like the axing, I take it back. I don't want Frank to hang out with you all because I forgot about the axing. But if you can make Max's life without Frank and the community so vibrant, so rich, so fun, that it becomes, these people wouldn't turn on me. These people are people I really care about. And I think if you can display unconditional love and respect and just like joy and happiness and spending time with him, like you recognize he went through a hard time. I think if you can have a surplus of that in his life, it makes it really hard to rationalize what Frank is probably saying about all of you. And I don't think that 
there is a way that you can separate them unless it's his own idea. Frank is creating a separate reality for Max that they are living in, Mm -hmm. that the world is against them and that everybody like just wants to see him fail and nobody will understand him and they will never get how like what he's going through. And he's the only person who can ever love someone so damaged, so broken, who's been like this, like this is a gift and like no one will ever get it as much. And so what you don't want to do to somebody who is living in an alternate reality is to shatter that reality. Then they're untethered. They have nothing. What the fuck do they do? They're not going to let that shatter. They're going to hold on to that. What you do is you create like the real truth, the real reality, but the good parts, not the bad parts, not that we're really worried about you. Like you create something and these wonderful friendships that makes that a crack in the other one. Like you Mm -hmm. make the one thing so good and so real and so true that that's, it starts to shatter the other image. And from there, that is when you'll notice that I he's probably going to start talking about him more. It's not going to be as much of a secret or he'll want to bring Frank around you all. And Frank will be so against it. Like it needs to come from him because it is like a psychological thing. And it's actually not helpful for Max to like rip him away from Frank because it's not there's no growth and healing in that and it's either going to backfire in this exact instance or it's going to get into a a worse relationship yeah i think one way to put in practice what megan was saying was you say that frank takes max on these camping trips where he's essentially isolating max away from the rest of you all sit down and have a conversation with max and be like hey i know you like to go camping a lot what do you like about camping what's so like intriguing about it why do you like to go and then be like why don't we all go on a camping trip that just could be one way and then he can see how much fun it is to be around his friends that care for him and you guys can still go camping and just enjoy the things that he likes to enjoy. Yeah, like Megan was saying, just be there for him as much as possible and show a genuine interest and curiosity for what he's going through in his life. And, you know, you did say that Max sometimes shuts down quickly, maybe change your approach to what's going on. Me personally, I'd find out everything that I could about Frank. Like, Mm -hmm. what's his last name? I'd search on the internet, just find information just because like, what do I look like hanging out with a 20 year old? Yeah. Like it's really grossly common. Yeah, I know. I've I've seen it portrayed on TV a lot. I've also heard other people discuss it, but they don't see what's wrong with it. Well, I think the cycle of this, which I think has been why we keep perpetuating this is like at least the people in my life who I know who I watched them date people that was like really inappropriate when I got older and I found out who their first sexual partners are with it was someone who's like 25 years older mm-hmm. and because we've normalized it so much instead of recognizing like oh this was an unsafe and bad situation in order to process it and deal with it it needs to be okay so I need to do it to someone else so then it's okay and it's not Mm -hmm. and it's also something that I find happens a lot in heterosexual couples when parents are in very large age gap relationships they can be moms specifically can be really adamant that their kids should be doing that same thing too 
because they did it and they need it to be okay. And that's like, Mm -hmm. it's a really sad thing. It also doesn't excuse the practice when you're older because we all go through shit and like you have to deal with it and perpetuating the cycle of abuse is like not a way to deal with it. And like, it's, it might feel easier in the moment, but it's not. The way that you get close to someone, I think is not about having, because I'm someone who's like, I would say I'm relatively emotionally closed off, like even with like close friends, like the way to get close to me is to not try and have deep conversations with me. The way to get close to me is like, I want to feel comfortable with you. And that's not because mm-hmm. like we're talking about like really deep life things or we're ta- like, I, it's time and proximity and just comfort and like vibes or whatever. Like, so I think that the approach of this is not about how if he shuts down and how we talk about like these things with him and bring these things up, like it's not. Frank was able to get in here because he saw a door and that door was something traumatic Max was going through or it was the fact that Max didn't have a strong circle of friends, didn't feel like he had people he could trust. So you be those people. And it's that's all there is to it. It's like being a really great fucking friend. And like like Melissa said, planning a camping trip. Like you love to camp. Like, tell me all about it. Like, I really want to get into this. Like, have you ever seen this? Like, I want to go take a pottery class this weekend. Like, do you want to come do this? And it doesn't even have to be like, oh, well, we know that he takes him on Saturday. So we're going to plan something on Saturday. Don't do that. Plan something during the week. Make things feel like it's not that he's missing out on everything because he's having to choose one or the other because that might raise red flags for Frank and then raise red flags for Max. But like, hey, do you want to have like a movie night after class on this date? I really want to go see this new movie or like tell me about your favorite movies. Like I want to like, let's make a list and like we can watch one once a week, once a month, but like making a life that he doesn't want to escape and leave to. He doesn't want to isolate from that life. I don't want you to forget why you're doing this, but I kind of want you to forget why you're doing it in the moment because it needs to come from a really sincere, genuine place. And it's not about getting like Max away from Frank. Yes, in practice, that's obviously the goal, but it's shit. How is this person that we care about and love so much? What has happened that has led this person to take advantage of them? This breaks my heart. I hate this. I don't want this to happen. I, I I need to be a better friend. Like I want to create a friendship and spend time with him. So whatever he's going through, whether he wants to share that or not, that he doesn't feel like that's the only place he has to turn to. Right. And if you can't eliminate the savior part of this, then you need to back off. And the friends who can need to be the one doing this because like it is a very delicate situation. But I agree. Like find out everything you can about him simultaneously. Maybe some of you do one, some of you do the other and being able to keep tabs like relatively that you can like do that. But I don't want to say it's like a max problem versus a Frank problem, but you're not going to get to a 35 year old man and convince him to no longer be doing this to young kids. Like the what you have right. is a friend. Yeah. That's not a position that you as fellow 20 year olds no. want to be in either. The goal can't be turning max against Frank because As a whole, as a society, the goal is to not have Franks out there, to not raise Franks. But as as a young person going through this, the the goal is to support your friends. And so these horrible people and these horrible instances and stuff, they have a life raft to get out of these situations and like not to victim blame and to, to not put onus on him and to not then try and take it down from any other direction. So, yeah. All right. Time for Don't Blame Them. Woo! 
so don't blame them, is where a listener will call in with their own advice pertaining to a call we had on a previous episode. So maybe they have personal experience and it was a call that we didn't have any personal experience with, or maybe they have someone by proxy who they know dealt with that. Maybe they're a professional in a field that's related to it, or maybe they just heard something or thought of something that we didn't or anything else. And they're going to give some of their own advice to the original caller. Hi, Megan and Melissa. This is a call in response to the caller on the last episode with the boyfriend who has a fear of flying. I have a couple of points that I wanted to point out. My extended family are native to Hawaii. And a long time ago, I had family who moved here and they married people in the Midwest, which is how I became to be. I would not consider myself Hawaiian, obviously, but I still have a ton of extended family there who continue to live on the island and marry natives and have kids with natives, like as they are natives themselves. And when we had visited in the past, I would definitely agree that island is no longer full of natives. And it's a ton of tourists and a lot of military, which takes up a lot of the island of Oahu. I just wanted to say if you're going to go there, since obviously people still will, which I wouldn't support, but people still will. It's important that if you are there to only support local Hawaiian businesses while there. A nice fact to know is luckily there is a Hawaiian island that is only open to 100% native to the island and they must be invited to be able to visit. My other reason for the call is that my brother is a pilot and sees people scared of flying on a regular basis. He will try and help and say flying is the safest form of travel but ultimately it is a fear that people have and pressuring your partner to fly is not going to be a fun situation for him or for you. If your partner is willing to fly and willing to try, they could potentially go talk to their doctor about getting a flight anxiety medicine and do a lot of research about how safe the travel is and the extensive training that pilots must go through. But ultimately, it can be a super scary situation, and if the motion sickness is the issue, do you really want your partner to feel sick the entire flight? I would personally just go to the wedding without them and either bring a friend or go alone and enjoy your time with your friends, like your partner said, because even if he came, he probably wouldn't have a great time, and he would probably be full of anxiety about the previous flight, being at a wedding with a bunch of people he doesn't know, and then having to fly again. Long-time listeners of the podcast have literally listened since the first episode, so thank you so much. Hopefully this helps. I think this is great. I obviously don't want to, like, step on anyone's toes with this, but I think, like, Yes, supporting local Hawaiian businesses is great. I just want to make sure that we're not the defeatist kind of mentality, which I think is very valid for anybody who is like native to Hawaii or has like roots that a family who's native to Hawaii that like, I don't think you should have, I'm not saying like have higher standards for like non-Hawaiians, but I just think that like the only reason I say this is because I saw a brand Benefit Cosmetics did a trip to Hawaii, an influencer trip in the midst of this pandemic and their justification behind it was we're supporting local Hawaiian businesses and they supported the sunscreen, but the hotel they're staying at is not owned by that. And I think when we see corporations kind of using that as a catch-all, we have to be really intentional with like how we speak about that because it's, I think if you're going on a work trip to Hawaii or you are a part of a military, you're married to someone who's in the military and they've been assigned there. I think that like there's ways that, yeah, that, like Native Hawaiians have said that, like, please purchase from here if you are already here and doing all of this stuff. But for corporations and organizations that have a choice to go to so many other places that are like so wonderfully beautiful, that 
you can only support Native Hawaiian. If, if that is something that you're doing as a compromise, it needs to be all encompassing. It can't be just a sunscreen. And like, I was really disappointed mm-hmm. to see a makeup company doing that because I know that they have the resources to go anywhere else, but they specifically chose this. And if the only, if you couldn't, if there wasn't a massive five-star hotel owned by and operated by directly profiting nobody other than Native Hawaiians, then it is actually not possible for you to go and with your sole intent of only contributing to the culture and to the pockets of Native Hawaiians. Like then it's not possible. And then it's not a matter of it's either you didn't try hard enough or it's not possible, in which case I think like, hey, we have the means to not do this when a lot of other people don't. A lot of people get stationed there. People move for jobs there. And sometimes, yeah, it can be a luxury to turn those things down. So I don't disagree with that sentiment at all. I just don't want us to then see brands who do that and use it as an excuse and use that without any further questioning of tell us exactly how you did that and like what you did because you have the money and the resources to make this choice. And like, was that the right choice? And last thing, we did get a DM update from the original caller who said, hi, Megan and Melissa. I just wanted to say thank you so much for the tough love on the podcast yesterday. For context, I called in about my boyfriend's fear of flying. One, for some reason, I thought the conversation around Hawaii was COVID related. So I appreciate the additional insight. Planning a new domestic dream now. Two, what you said to me made me realize is what I was doing to what my parents did to me, which is very toxic. And I really hate and I'm very embarrassed that I even did that. I have severe OCD and anxiety since I was eight, which caused me to fear most normal slash good things in life. My parents didn't respect that, so they forced me into fearful situations daily. Sometimes that forceful push and exposure did help, so I just assumed that if I could conquer my fears that way, so could my boyfriend. I plan to apologize for not respecting his boundaries and have an open conversation with him later. I also probably need to book another therapy appointment ASAP. Thank you again so much. I was so happy to read that and see that. I think this is like a a subtle version of if it's hysterical, if it's it's, uh, hysterical, it's historical. Where sometimes when we react to other people and not situations that are happening to us, we can sometimes come off really strong and like really intense and like just really kind of not ourselves because we're coming from a place of this has happened to me before and now I'm acting this out again, but on the behalf of someone else. Exposure therapy only works if the person that's going through it has consented to it. And he has not consented to being exposed to this. Yeah. And sometimes like when those shitty things happen, we don't want to think that our parents are bad people. And so we sometimes think if there's nothing wrong with looking at things with rose colored glasses when it pertains to your own life. And if you would rather be like, you know what, I can't deal with the possibility that this was harmful. and My parents were harmful to me. So instead, I'm going to say that this was a helpful thing. I'm not specifically saying that this is what they think, but just in general. And that's fine. But you can't push it onto other people that same way, because that is then just continuing that cycle. And I think it's I'm glad that you they've caught it now and have like understood that that's really not how it is. But sometimes, yeah, we justify the ends, justify the means. And again, that's a very fine thing to do in your own life. It can serve you for a certain point or that could serve you forever. But we just need to make sure that if we are doing that, we know that we're consciously doing that and we're not projecting that onto other people. So mm-hmm. I'm glad. And also the Facebook group did a wonderful post of beautiful places besides Hawaii 
that non-Hawaiians could go visit. Ventura, California, Pismo Beach, California, La Jolla, California, Tillamook, Oregon, Santa Cruz, California, Catalina Island, California, the original authors from California. Some other comments from other people, Newport, Rhode Island. But yeah, so this is something that like me personally, as a someone of European descent, so we're, I'm on stolen land. And so I think that researching where you go anywhere is really important. I don't want us to ever think that it's, well, we're always going to harm someone. So might as well, like, fuck off. Like, that just to me is driving a car on fire without a seatbelt. <laughs> like, we have these precautions and these things that I think it's important to take into consideration because there's always something that you can do to get back to a community where you are, whether that is like, your current grassroots, like local community, if there's an underprivileged, underserved area that you are in, I think that there's always things that we can do. And it doesn't have to be, I think it's a wonderful opportunity that like, we have to support whatever we can where we are to like learn about like the history, like past and present. And that when conservatives talk about like, well, if we don't like have all these statues, like history will be doomed to repeat itself. But no, that's not what that, that's this. If we ignore these things, then we continue to perpetuate colonizing and like abuse and terror. And so, no. So I think it's great and happy that there's some insight there. That's it for our episode. Let me see if we have any reviews. All right. This is from Cheeseman Customer. Refreshing. Five stars. I'm an older woman, so much of what they say doesn't apply directly to me, but they're able to address subjects of relationships, sexuality, and sexuality that I wish I had had available to me when I was a lot younger. I definitely recommend it. And for older women, this would give you good insight into what younger women are thinking and saying. Huh. I never thought about that last part. That's really cool. Yeah. I've had people who've like watched my YouTube channel because they're like, parents and like they're like moms and they're like well my kid watched it and like I wanted to like not monitor what she was watching but like see what she was interested in and like see what she would like and they have kind of gotten into like YouTube for that as well and I think it's mm -hmm. a cool way to you know listen to those things and then also know if you work with younger people or you just have like younger people in your life it can be intergenerational thing can be cool yeah well, thank you we hope that everyone enjoyed the episode. If you want to leave a review, please do on the Apple Podcast app. And you can also head on over to Spotify and review. And if you are still listening, A, go follow our Instagram and comment on the latest picture. Comment on it what your, just your sun sign, your astrological sun sign. I wonder if we have like a very big disbursement, even, I mean, obviously we won't see everybody's, but like if it's going to be concentrated with, the people who then end up commenting or who listen. I'm curious how many we have of whatever. Okay. Well, that's it for the episode. If you want to call in for next one, please do. Always looking for more calls. Same thing with updates. Shoot us an email if you have an update and we can schedule to have you on the episode. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. is a production by me executive produced by melissa demonts and diamond imprint productions edited by coco lawrence post-production sound by chris henry production assistance by melanie d watson music by ryan hunter and giacomo picasso 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.